السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد حسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So continuing where we left off last week the third point the Sheikh says he says الثالثة أن من أطاع الرسول ووحد الله لا يجوز له موالات من حاد الله ورسوله ولو كان أقرب قريب So the third point the Sheikh says that whoever obeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that whoever obeys the messenger and singles out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then it is not permissible for him to love and ally himself with those who oppose Allah and his messenger even if they be the most closely related to him so tonight we're going to look at the mas'ala of al-wala wal-bara loving for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and hating for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so it is not permissible for those who do that to have love and alliance to those who oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger even if they be the most closely related to him and as we go on in the lesson we'll understand this point it will be more clear so like i mentioned this is the matter of al-wala wal-bara loving for the sake of allah having an alliance for this with the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and disassociating for the sake of Allah as well and this follows on from Tawheed from the rights of Tawheed is to have love and alliance for the beloved servants of Allah and to disassociate from the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the words Al-Muwalat and Al-Wala they have one and the same meaning and al-wala means having love in one's heart remember this right remember this definition is going to come again a bit later means to have love in your heart and it means aiding and assisting and it means in the matter of inheriting and the payment of blood monies now obviously the section on blood monies doesn't concern us much because we don't have a sharia and we don't have a judge so for example when someone he meets up in an accident and the opposite party someone passes away no one's going to take you to court here and you must pay blood money right? so we don't have to worry about this too much So the Muslim, he loves and has alliance for the beloved servants of Allah. This is an important point. 
that we love our brothers for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those brothers, those sisters, that they are the beloved servants of Allah. They the people of Ahlu Sunnah. They the people that follows the Sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You love them. And the meaning that he restricts his love to those who are beloved and obedient servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you will aid them. Your brother has a problem. Your sister has a problem. You're driving on the road, for example. There's a sister in hijab. She's stuck. Maybe you can see the tires flat. She obviously can't change the tire itself. You offer. You ask. I know someone is coming. Oh no, I need help. And especially in societies that we stay today. Things are dangerous. You can't let someone get stuck on the highway. You drive past a Muslim family and you just leave them. And he aids them. So the Muslim is with the Muslims. They are allies to each other. We aid and we assist one another. So payment of blood monies for accidental killings occurs between Muslims and it is what is called a mutual responsibility. And all of this enters into the topic or falls under the topic of alliance. So there is no alliance between a Muslim and a disbeliever. Again, remember this phrase, it's going to be explained as we move on this evening. And love and aiding and inheriting and payment of blood money and guardianship in marriage and guardianship in legal matters and so on, this does not occur between a Muslim and a disbeliever. Rather, this is between the Muslims because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَلَنْ يَجَعَلَ اللَّهُ لِلْكَافِرِينَ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ سَبِيلًا And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never give a way to the disbeliever over the believers. So it is wajib, it is obligatory that the believers are distinguished from the disbelievers. This is important. That we as Muslims, there needs to be this distinction between us and the kuffar. One distinction of the Muslims compared to the kuffar is a distinction that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself made. He said, Al-ahdul ladhi baynana wa baynahum as-salah faman tarakaha faqad kafara. And I'm just giving an example. He says, the Prophet wasallam. he says, that the difference between us and them is what? Is our prayer, is our salah. And whosoever leaves off his prayer, And obviously the ulama, they explain what does it mean to leave off one prayer, leave off two prayers, leave off prayer completely. And that's a whole discussion. But the point that we're trying to make is that there needs to be distinction. Right? We are not the same. As to have a teacher, you would always say, and different context, but you would always say that you and the next person, you are not the same. Now, what's that about a Muslim 
And a kafir can never be the same. So it is not permissible for one who singles out Allah and obeys the messenger, peace be upon him, to have love and alliance with those who opposes Allah. And the next point, Al-Muhadda, right? Opposing means that the person is upon one side and Allah and His Messenger and the believers are on the other side. This is the opposition. And those who oppose are upon the side of the disbelievers in this opposition. Then the author, he ends off and he says, وَلَوْ كَانَ أَقْرَبَ قَرِبًا even if that person is the most closely related to him. Meaning in what? In lineage. If your close relative is one who opposes Allah and his messenger, then it becomes wajib upon you to oppose him and to cut off from him. And whoever is obedient, is an obedient servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and an ally to his messenger, then it is wajib upon you that you should love him and have alliance with him, even if he be far removed from your lineage. And this is important. How many times in your own family right, will you find someone? You know what? You follow a particular way. You call to a particular manhaj. So, you know what, I don't want to still bother with you. Own parents, own siblings. Right? Then you find on the other hand, you find someone else. You don't know him from a bar so. But you met him in the musalla. Right? You, she met the sister in the musalla, at the masjid. And their bond and their love was formed. Right? Many of us sitting here tonight, we only know each other through what? Through the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is what counts. We have no relationship through lineage whatsoever. Nothing. Had it not been for this deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we would have maybe not even known each other. And this is why the bond that a brother has or sisters have amongst one another through the Quran and the Sunnah. It's supposed to be a bond that's supposed to bring us closer. Not a bond, Quran and Sunnah, that splits us, that takes us further away. No. And if you look, right, even if a person is far removed from your lineage, even if he be a non-Arab or a African person, or a white person, or a red person, whatever you want to do. Right? How many times you find people sitting, different races, different cultures, different ages, but the common denominator amongst them is Islam. The common denominator amongst them is that they love one another for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is wajib. Upon you, it is obligatory upon you to have love and alliance for him and that you love him 
whether he is from your land or whether he is from the furthest place in the east or the furthest place in the west. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتُ بَعْدُهُمْ أَوْلِيَاءُ That the believing men and the believing women, that they are friends and they are allies to one another. This is the bond that they have. They are allies, they are friends, they love one another. Then the author, he mentions and he says, لَا تَجِدُ قَوْمًا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ يُوَادُّونَ مَنْ حَادَّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَلَوْ كَانُوا آبَاءَهُمْ أَوْ أَبَنَاءَهُمْ أَوْ إِخْوَانَهُمْ أَوْ عَشِيرَتَهُمْ أُولَئِكَ كَتَبَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمُ الْإِيمَانِ وَأَيَّدَهُمْ بِرُوحٍ مِّنْهُ وَيُدْخِلُهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْهُ أُولَئِكَ حِزْبُ اللَّهِ أَلَا إِنَّ حِزْبَ اللَّهِ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ And you will not find a people who truly believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the last day loving those who oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. You won't find this. And even if they are their fathers or their sons or their brothers or their family members, rather Allah has ordained true faith for their hearts and has strengthened them with the strength from him. And he will enter them into the gardens which have rivers flowing beneath their trees, they shall remain forever therein. And Allah is pleased with them, and they are pleased with Allah. They are the party of Allah. Indeed, the party of Allah are the ones who, that, the ones who will be successful. The party of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Just on a side note, it is not obviously referring to Right? Hezbollah that is known today. Right? But rather many of the ulama, they would rather call them Hezbollah Shaitan. That they are rather but the party of Shaitan. So it's not referring to them. <laughs> then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, Ya ayu alladheena amanu, la tattakhidu aduwi wa aduwakum awliyaa tulquna ilayhim bil and many of the companions in particular ibn abbas may allah be pleased with all of them they would say when you hear when you read when you come across ya ayyuhalladhina amanu oh you who believe who is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressing so there's two groups that allah addresses in the quran the first one group is Ya Ayyuhannas. This is for the whole of humanity, everyone. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses Ya Ayyuhalladina Amanu, now it's addressing who? It's addressing the believers. So what happens now? So now you need to look at it with importance because this is a message specifically for the people of Iman. 
So Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, la tattakhidhu aduwa wa aduwakum. O you who believe, do not take my enemies and your enemies, awliya'a, as friends. Tulkuna ilayhim bil mawadda. And allies for whom you have affection for. So Allah has made it clear. Do not show affection. Do not have that love in your heart. For who? For the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah then says, قَدْ كَانَتْ لَكُمْ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ فِي إِبْرَاهِيمٌ That indeed you are going to find a perfect example in Ibrahim. Right? The story, the life of Nabi Ibrahim. وَالَّذِينَ مَعَهُ إِذْ قَالُوا لِقَوْمِهِمْ إِنَّا بُرَآءُ مِنْ وَمِمَّا تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ كَفَرْنَا بِكُمْ So you will find a fine example in the life of Nabi Ibrahim and those with him when they said to the people that we are free of you and whatever you worship. He is free from them. And whatever they worship besides Allah subhanahu and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he carries on and he says مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ كَفَرْنَا بِكُمْ وَبَدَا بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمُ الْعَدَاوَةُ وَالْبَغْضَاءُ أَبَدًا حَتَّى تُؤْمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ So here Nabi Ibrahim is saying what? That he is free from those people that is worships others than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says that we have rejected you and there has appeared between us and you enmity and hatred forever until what? But there can come a time when it stops. And when will it stop? That when you believe in Allah hatta tu'minu billah So the day that you believe in Allah you single Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out for worship, now we can be friends. Now we can have that love, that affection. But up until this point, you call to other than Allah. You worship other than Allah. Yes, we respect you as a human being. But as far as that love, that mawatta that is supposed to be, or that is generated in the heart, that you're not going to find between us. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the next verse, وَمَا كَانَ اسْتِغْفَارُ إِبْرَاهِيمَ لِأَبِيهِ إِلَّا عَنْ مَوْعِدَةٍ وَعَدَهَا إِيَّاهُ فَلَمَّا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ أَنَّهُ عَدُوٌ لِلَّهِ تَبَرَّأَ مِنْهُ إِنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ لَأَوَّاهٌ حَلِيمٌ This is Surah Tawbah. Allah says, And Nabi Ibrahim, What did Nabi Ibrahim do here? He asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive his father. 
So he was seeking forgiveness on behalf of his father. And this was only because of a promise which he had made to him. So he made a promise to his father that I will seek forgiveness for you. So when it became clear to him that his father was an enemy to Allah, then what does he do? He disassociates himself from him. And indeed Ibrahim is one who frequently supplicated to Allah and Nabi Ibrahim, Inna Ibrahim la awwaun halim. That indeed Nabi Ibrahim, he was forbearing. He had a lot of sabr. He had a lot of patience. This was one of the qualities of Nabi Ibrahim. So this is the religious way of Nabi Ibrahim. He disassociated himself from his father. The closest of the people to him. When it became clear to him that his father was an enemy. So who was Nabi Ibrahim? His father. Many of the Mufassirun and the Mu'arrikun, the people of Tafsir and the scholars of history, they say that Nabi Ibrahim his father was Azal. And Azal used to not just worship, right? But he made them, he manufactured them. <coughs> he was the not just a worshipper. It's one thing someone, subhanallah, right? He worships other than Allah. But here this guy is not just worshipping the idol, he is making the idol. This is where he gets his income from. From selling the idols to the community. And this ayah shows us that having love for someone that does not believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala negates true faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the last day. Either in its very origin or with regards to its completion. However, if love of them has with its supporting what they are upon and their disbelief, then this will take the person out of the fold of Islam. But if this love or it's having love without siding with them, then this is counted as something which causes a person's iman to be deficient. And the person is a fasiq. So you need to differentiate between the two. And something which is fisk, right? It causes one's iman to weaken. So it is said that this ayah came down with regards to who? With regards to Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah. Who was Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah? What did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say about him? Yalla mashaih. Sisters can answer as well. Was he not one of the ten people that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam guaranteed Jannah? Yes or no? Was he one of them? Who says yes, put up your hands? Who says no? Who says I don't know? Majority? Write the homework for next week. Wasn't the homework also in the first week? <laughs> right? Okay, next week I won't forget this one. 
I want the ten names of the people that will guarantee Jannah. The first four is easy. Huh? What? What was that? I even forgot. Anyone remember what the question was? Oh yes, the Ulil Azam. Do you know anyone knows who's the Ulil Azam? Nabi? Yes. 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 Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And? No, you mentioned that twice. Nabi Mu? No, you mentioned Isa. Oh, Musa. Yes. Right? The five of them. Not Nabi Dawud. Right? So, next week I want the... Shukran. Next week I want the ten names that will guarantee Jannah. I give you the first four, the Khulafa Rashidi. Right? That's the first four. Right? So you have six left. Right? It's not difficult. I'm sure everyone has access to Google. Just make sure. <laughs> Just make sure you know what side you're going to. Taib. So Abu Ubaidah, Ibn al-Jarrah, when he killed his father on the day of Badr. So what happens? He kills his father on the day of Badr. Because his father was upon disbelief. His father was upon kufr. And he wanted to kill Abu Ubaidah. So they obviously, at that time, used to, what used to take place on the battlefield? Eh? Like a duel. So they come from the one side. So you pick your partner, right? Your opponent. Okay, I'm going to take him on. So the two of you have a battle. But Abu Ubaidah, he what happens? He kills his father because his father was an enemy to Allah and was not prevented by the fact that his father or the first of all the fact that that was his dad. Right? Now obviously this is at the time of war. It is not. Okay, the son became Muslim and the father is not Muslim and the father oppresses him so now he must go. No. Because obviously at the time of war. It was in the battle of Badr. And this never prevented him. Like the father-son relationship never prevented him from fighting against his father. Because he knew that the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this takes preference. And the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is perfect. And the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most high. Then remember at the beginning when we translated the author saying that those ones, right, meaning those who keep away from loving and having affection for those who oppose Allah and His Messenger. That Allah has ordained Iman for their hearts. And he strengthened them with a ruh from him. And he will enter them into the gardens which rivers flow beneath. So here the word, attayid, it means strengthening. That ayyada, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he strengthened them with a ruh from him. And the word ruh has a number of different meanings in the Quran, a number of different usages 
in the Quran. From them is a ruh which is the spirit through which there is life. And from them is revelation as occurs in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most high as he says وَكَذَلِكَ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ رُوحًا مِنْ أَمْرِنَا مَا كُنْتَ تَدْرِي مَا الْكِتَابِ And likewise, we send down by revelation to you a ruh, meaning a revelation by our command. And from them is Jibreel alayhi salam, that he is a ruh al-Qudus, the pure spirit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, right? That indeed نَزَّلَهُ الرُّوحُ الْقُدُسِ مِنْ رَبِّكَ بِالْحَقِّ لِيُثَبِّتَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَهُدَوْ وَبُشْرَى لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ That say, قُلْ That indeed the pure spirit, Jibreel, brought it, referring to the Qur'an, down from your Lord in truth, to make those who believe firm and as guidance and as good news for the Muslims. Those who submit to Allah's commands. Nazala bihir ruhul amin. The trustworthy spirit again, Jibreel, descended with it. With what? With the Quran. So the word ayyadahum biruhim min, meaning was strength from him. He, the perfect and most high, Allah Azza wa Jal. Gives strength of true faith in the world and the year after. So this matter, it relates to having enmity towards the disbelievers and not having love and alliance for them. And it does not necessitate that we cut off from the disbelievers in social matters and matters of worldly benefit. Take note. Right? This is one of the key points here tonight as well. That we do not disassociate ourselves from the kuffar in social matters and matters of worldly benefit. Rather, a number of affairs are an exception to that. So now we're going to look at the exceptions the room and this is important because in this chapter right my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam in this chapter you will find under this topic of al-wala wal-bara you will find two extremes again one extreme what do they do anyone what do you think the one extreme will to and go on a tangent with. Sorry? They have no dealings with the kuffar, okay. And the other extreme? Right. So what I was actually looking at is that under this heading, right? You're on the right path. But under this topic of al-wala wal-bara, you will get the one side that will openly declare takfir. Right? They will openly make takfir <coughs> on who? On Muslim rulers, on Muslim governments, on anything because they have association with kuffar. 
So for example, there's a country, right, and a Christian president comes. They greet the man, they give the man a meal. Can you see they go far away? They so say to me, that's the one extreme. The other extreme again is what? That outright loving them, sitting with them, associating with them, showing you that there's no difference that there's no difference between us and them. Sometimes even preferring them over the believers. So these are the two extremes. And Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, where do we always find ourselves in? Al-Wasatiyah. We find us in the middle. And that we have created you as an Ummah of that you are wasat, that you are in the middle, you are a just nation. So let's look at the first one. That along with our hatred of them and our enmity to them, then it is wajib that we call them to Allah and most, the perfect, the most high. So what is this referring to now? To? Da'wah. That you cannot just leave them. Okay, now you're less kufar. So now we just leave them. No. You need to bring them back what? You need to call them to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And you cannot leave them and just say that they are the enemies of Allah and our enemies. So we leave you. It becomes wajib upon us that we call them to Allah. So perhaps Allah can guide them. Guidance and misguidance lies in whose hands? In Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hands. All we can do is give da'wah. All we can do is invite people. We can speak to people. We can call them to this deen. We can call them to Islam. But at the end of the day, hidayah lies in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hands. And yes, there's going to come a time. You speak to someone, you work hard on getting them. But at the end of the day, they don't listen. You're going to feel despondent. There's no doubt. But know at the end of the day that Hidayah lies in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if they do not respond, then we fight them along with the ability. Again, then we fight them along with the ability. So now what happens? You go out here, you go invite the people to Islam. They don't accept. So what are you going to do now? Fight them? No. This is obviously under an Amir. This is obviously under an Islamic leader. And also, what is what does he say at the end? With ability. With kudra. With kuwa. That you must be by the means to be able to fight. So if there's a country, yes, and they're stronger than you, whatever, and you can't just go out and go fight, go attack. <coughs> and here maybe some people are going to obviously take offense to this. And some people might even not like what I'm going to say. So for example, a country like Israel, if not the world's best army, correct or not, 
if not the world's best artillery, the best intelligence. Now compare this to what we have as Muslim countries. They don't compare. So for us to say, no, you know what, but why are they not fighting? Why don't they attack? Just one of this will destroy them. Sometimes you need to look a bit further than just what we see. And in the same breath, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ease the affairs of the Muslims wherever they might find themselves in the world. So they will fight them if they have the ability. So either then they will enter Islam or they will pay jizya. And jizya is the amount of money given over to the Muslims if they are from the Jews and the Christians or the fire worshippers whilst they are humbled and submitted to the rule of Islam. And they are then left upon what they are upon. So if they pay the jizya, right? So you invited them to the Islam, they rejected. You fought them, they still never listened. So now what happens? Now they pay jizya to you. So what do you do with them now? Now you leave them. Right? So now they become under your rule, but they live a normal life, a protected life. However, with the condition that they, or that the jizya is handed over and they submit to the rule of Islam. So if they live in a Muslim land, they pay the jizya, they are protected. But there are certain rules that, for example, the governor, the Muslim leader, he gives them that you can't drink, you can't do this, you can't do that, can't do that. They need to abide by the rules now. Because on the one hand they are protected, but on the other hand now you need to listen. You can't get our protection. Yes, okay, you pay us. But you want to do what you want to do. We still have rules that we need to put upon you and you need to follow it. However, if they are not of the two books and they are not magians, then there is disagreement between the scholars about taking jizya from them. Right? That's a fake issue. That's for Kitabu Jinayat and Jihad, etc. It's not for us at the moment. Secondly, there is nothing to prevent having a truce with the unbelievers, whether there is a need, if the Muslims have need of it because of the fact that Muslims are not able to fight against them. This is an important fact. That if we are not by the means and we strike a deal, a truce between us and them, then this is fine. So don't go around like you find certain sectors in our community. Ah, they munafiqun. They kuffar. Right? They are salah to the ummah. But see what the ulama says. We don't want to hear what you say. We want to hear what the ulama is saying. That there is nothing to prevent having a truce with the people with the unbelievers whether or when there is a need for it. Did Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his seerah, in his lifetime, did he not have truce with the Quraysh as well? Yes or no? Yes? Alhamdulillah. So if the Muslims have a need of it because of the fact that the Muslims are not able to fight against them, and there is a fear for the Muslims from the evil, then there is no harm in having a truce until the Muslims 
See what they say. Until they become strong enough to fight them. And once they are strong enough, then obviously what will happen? They will sit again. They will say, look here, this truth does not need to be here anymore. And then they go out and they go fight. وَإِنْ جَنَحُوا لِسَّلْمِ فَجْنَحْ لَهَا وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمِ And if they incline towards peace, then you incline towards peace as well. Then a truce is made with them. However, it will not be, again, look at this keyword, it will not be a perpetual truce, rather a temporary peace with a time limit in accordance with the view of the ruler of the Muslims regarding what is beneficial for them. So we, right, never for a moment, right, so, and this is something that it's important to make mention of. That sometimes what people do, right, they take things out of context. Or they only narrate part of an ayah, part of a hadith, part of a fatwa. And it's important, especially when dealing with anything, even with Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Right? When we deal with our enemies. So, for example, with the people of Bid'ah, the innovators, the Sufis, etc., Shias, whatever it might be. That when you quote, from them that we don't misquote that we give the full story whatever is in the book you give it and also we don't add on if things aren't true now give an example I had once I speaking to a brother Jazawah, a good brother, sincere brother and the topic of Shiasm came up and this and he says you know what the Shias they have a night I have a particular night in the year that's part of the Shia calendar, etc., etc. We anyone can just come in the room and anyone can sleep with anyone. So I said, okay, fine. Then I checked it, I tried to find this night, but I couldn't find this night. I spoke to some ulama about it and they also said, look here, it's the first time we heard about this night. Maybe it exists. In amongst a certain group amongst it. But it's not mainstream. So don't quote it as mainstream. This is what we try to get to. Thirdly, there is nothing to prevent returning their fine treatment. If they treat the Muslims well, there is nothing to prevent returning their fine treatment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, لا ينهاكم الله عن الذين لم يقاتلوكم في الدين ولم يخرجوكم من دياركم أن تبروهم وتقسطوا إليهم إن الله يحب المقسطين. الله سبحانه وتعالى يسأل that Allah does not forbid you from those who do not fight against you with regard to the religion and who do not expel you from your homes from treating them what? from treating them well and treating them with justice 
with kindness because Allah loves those who treat people justly. So for example, you have a neighbor, right? And it's a good Christian neighbor. And you people have no issues whatsoever. And they're kind to you, they're happy, you know, you pull out your car in the morning, good morning, right? Why must you be rude? Now, here again also I would like to add something, and to flip the coin. This doesn't mean that now if they have a braai on a Saturday afternoon that you're going to go sit there, that you're going to associate with him, that you're going to go out with him. No, right? Look at the difference. The difference of being civil with someone doesn't mean that I'm going to sit, I'm going to go on a holiday with him. We're going to have parties together. We're going to have supper and lunch, etc. together. No. It's not what we say. But we say, for example, maybe you have a function at home and you made a big pot of food. There's nothing wrong with sending them some food over. There's nothing wrong with this. This is being good to your neighbors. So you need to know the difference. Being civil with someone, being nice to the person, being good to the person, and associating with him, as in going out with him, being friends with him, sitting in the houses, there's a big difference between the two. Fourthly, the father who is a disbeliever, it is wajib upon the son who is Muslim to treat him well. So now you might say, yeah, but look, you quoted earlier the story of Nabi Ibrahim. There's a difference. Here the father is a disbeliever. The father treats him well. And even if the father didn't treat him well, still an obligation for him to treat his father well. Unless the father calls him to what? To disbelieve. And what was Nabi Ibrahim's father doing to him? He was calling him to follow his way, to follow his millah, to follow his religion. And we know that. Right? He called him to follow his way. When they didn't want to follow his way, they got upset. When he broke the idols, what happened? They built a fire and they wanted to, or not wanted, but they threw Nabi Ibrahim. And Nabi Ibrahim, he said, Kuni bardan wa salaman ala Ibrahim. Allah says to him that make the fire a cool. And in narrations he says that Nabi Ibrahim says this was the best moments of his life because he never had a cooler moment than that time when he was in the fire. So this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says وَوَصَّيْنَا الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ وَهْنًا عَلَى وَهْنٍ وَفِصَالُهُ فِي عَامَيْنِ أَنِشْكُرْ لِي وَلِوَالِدَيْكَ إِلَيَّ الْمَصِيرِ And we commanded man to treat his parents well. His mother bore him upon a state of weakness and hardship upon weakness and hardship. And his weaning was in two years. We enjoin him to give thanks to me and to your parents. To me is your return. 
And if they strive to make you associate something along with me, that which you have no knowledge of, then do not obey them. So what shouldn't you obey them in? In disbelief, in kufr, in shirk. But live along with them in this world in a good manner and follow the path of those who turn to me. Side note. And this is speaking about kufar parents. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi also told us. He said, لا طاعة المخلوق إلى معصية الخالق أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام لا طاعة المخلوق That there is no obedience to the creation if it is in disobedience to who? To the creator. So for example, a Muslim child, a Muslim youngster, she maybe reaches the age of puberty. She wants to don the hijab. And the parents say, you know what, you're too young, man. How can you wear scarf? Who can say throw at you? Right? How are you going to get married when you're older? So what do we say in this case? لا طاعة المخلوق إلى معصية الخالق. That now there's no obedience to the parent. Because this is in disobedience to who? To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But to add on to this, obviously it needs to be done in a correct manner. In a manner of respect and adab. The parent has a right even if he is an unbeliever. However, you should not love him with love of the heart. See where it comes in now. Again, being good to someone is fine. But they shouldn't, the problem is what? When the heart becomes involved. When your heart is attached to the issue, now it becomes a problem. Rather you recompense him for having brought you up and for the fact that he is your father and he has a right. So you recompense him for that. Point number five. Having mutual business dealings with them and buying needs from them and importing goods and weapons from them by paying their price, it has no harm in that. Just want to see something? Let's just read this again. Having mutual business dealings with him. Dealings with who? With a kuffar. It is fine. There's no problem. Right? All of us sitting here, we've dealt with kuffar. We live in a kafir country. We deal with him every day. We have no issue with this. And buying needs from them. We need something. Right? So take a Muslim country for example. They don't have what? Maybe all the machinery. They don't have, for example, I remember Sheikh, right? I remember Sheikh Aman Al Jami. He gave the example of. He says that what's quite famous at that time, or in Saudi at that time, is that they would import a lot of this two-minute noodles, right? Noodles that you eat. So he says that we don't manufacture this. So where do we get it from? Get it from other countries. Some of these countries that we deal with, they are kuffar. He says there is nothing wrong with this. And importing goods from them is fine. Machinery, cars, etc. There is no issue with this. He even says bringing or buying weapons. But here there is a condition now. And what do you think this condition is of buying weapons from the kuffar? 
There's a condition that you are not at war with them. So you can buy from them, they can buy from you. But if it's a time of war, then you cannot have a dealing with regards to weapons. The Prophet, peace be upon him, used to have dealings with the disbelievers. Likewise, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he dealt with the people of Khaybar. And they were Jews upon the basis that they would farm the land in exchange for a part of its produce. They were at war. This was the Jews. This was the battle of... If you heard of the battle of Khaybar, right, the famous quote that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or that the Sahaba would say, and this was the battle they fought. Many Jews were killed here. But, he still did what? They had some business dealings. This is not from alliance and love. Do you see the difference? I go into a shop, I buy something. Do I love him? Am I showing alliance to him? No. I go in, I go buy my thing and I walk out. Same thing with a company. A country deals with companies, they import, they export. There's no love between them. Tomorrow if they get the same product cheaper. Right? They're going to leave you, they're going to drop you just there, they're going to get the cheaper. So had they been love, would he have dropped him? No. They would have still dealt with him and dealt with him and dealt with him. So it is obligatory that we are aware of these matters and that they do not enter into love and alliance and that they are not something prohibited. And likewise, taking a loan from them, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he took some food from a Jew as a debt and he left his coat of armor as surety with him and he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he died and his coat of armor was left with his Jew for some food which he bought for his family. There is nothing to prevent this because these are worldly matters and matters of welfare. And it does not indicate or show love and affection in the hearts. So there needs to be a difference. We need to differentiate between this and this. Because there is some people who when he hears the text of enmity towards the people of Kufa, the people that disbelieves and not loving them, then he may understand that he cannot have any dealings with them and cannot have any connection with them whatsoever and that there needs to be total cut off from them. No. This is something limited by rulings and, limited and limits and conditions which are well known to the people of ilm which are taken from the book of Allah and from the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Point number six. Allah has permitted marriage to the women of the people of the book with the condition that they are chaste with regard to their honor and dignity. And Allah has made it permissible for us to eat the meat slaughtered by them. Number seven. That there is no harm in responding to the invitations and eating food which is permissible just as the Prophet ﷺ did again. Many other ulama said that it mustn't be a common occurrence. You can't go there every day. Right? So maybe the neighbor, they call you, call you once in a few months right? and you know that they buy the meat from a halal butchery. Halal butchery. 
So then you know there's no alcohol, there's no pork, there's no contamination. Share a meal once in a while is fine. But what has become common today is that they in and out of your house. They live in amongst your children. The children today that goes to these type of schools, this is the friends that they befriend. They start creating this love for them. They start loving this type of lifestyle. I've seen this. Many of us sitting here, we have seen this. Number eight, treating neighbors, and we spoke about this or this believers well, because they have the right of being neighbors. Number nine, it is not permissible to wrong or to oppress them. He, the Most High, has said, right, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and let not hatred of a people prevent you from treating them justly. Do justice, because it is closer to taqwa. So sometimes you find this amongst the Muslim community. It's Christmas, alright? It's kind of morocco. Right? Or, no, I've heard this. Or, you know, you may be whatever field it might be, and it's a non-Muslim, you know what, it's fine, man. We can do what we need to do with them, we don't need to listen to them, we don't need to assist them, we can rob them, we can con them, because they not Muslim. How do you expect to win people over? Right? Be just to everyone. And this brings us to the end. And again, I want to reiterate that these matters... <coughs> Right of Al-Walaw and Wal-Baro needs to go back to the ulama. This is not for the shabab. This is not for the youth. This is not just for anyone just to take a book. Right? Read something. Okay, you know what? We will declare this one a kafir. We declare that one a muqtadi. No. This is for the matters of the ulama. And if you feel that you know more than the ulama, then... <coughs> This is, becomes now between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what do you do instead? Needs to go on Facebook, needs to go on social media, needs to send to a WhatsApp message, needs to do this without even verifying is things correct or is things not correct. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and protect us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our shortcomings. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.